so encouraging just to see a bunch of young people uh, just seeing God bless America, you know, Amen. loving their country and just loving the idea that, that God could, could intervene on our behalf and uh, just uh, our gratefulness for how God has already done that uh, so many times. And I was, I was refreshed this morning and uh, it's, been, it's been great. Uh, uh, and during that, uh, that uh, the piano, uh, uh, I call it the, the piano extravaganza in the, in the, uh, in the in the program there, but I was uh, I was kind of fighting a mixture of uh, you know the feelings of, of welling up with patriotism and wanting to go jump on a merry-go-round. I don't know. It was kind of like I was, I was fighting the two two things there, carousel uh, music there. But that was great. And I was kind of wondering because we're a little yeah, I guess we we're a New England Baptist church, you know, so we're a little stoic sometimes, right? A little a little subdued. And uh, but I, I I was starting to see. I was a little concerned. I was starting to see a little toe-tapping out there. <laughs> and there was one, one lady towards the back, I'm not going to point out who she was, but she, her, her, she, her, her earrings started to go like this a little bit. I was like, whoa, sister, it's all down there. Wow, man. Then I was, I was kind of concerned, what's going to happen at the end of this song? And, uh, and, and then uh, the applause broke out uh, several times through the service there. And I thought, well, you know, I mean, the world, I mean, the, the, we, they applaud all kinds of, sometimes foolishness, right? And uh, I guess applause in America just means we're, we're excited about something, right? We're enthused about it. We appreciate it. And so I think it's okay. I think it's okay. <laughs> and then the church helps uh, too. Once in a while, if the Lord moves that way, you know, we're not going to orchestrate it. We're not going to have clap here up on the screen or anything like that. But uh, if it happens, if the Lord, uh, you know, it's kind of a spontaneous thing, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's good. I think it's good. So let's go to Second Chronicles uh, 7.14 this morning. Second Chronicles 7.14. My true allegiance is to the Lord Jesus Christ and the eternal kingdom, uh, which he has provided for us. But how many of you here uh, today love your country, the United States of America? I think that's a good thing. The Lord put us here, and we're stewards here, and uh, we sure appreciate it. We're grateful uh, for our land and uh, so many things about it that I just praise the Lord uh, for. And uh, I've been around uh, the world a little bit, uh, traveled to, to various places. And uh, I've enjoyed visiting different places, and they have some things to offer, and, and some great people, and Christians throughout the world, and so on. I'm always happy to come back uh, to my homeland, uh, the United States. And I mean, you would say it's more to one level or another. You're concerned about our country today. You're concerned about our country. Well, I think we all are. I think we all are. We should be really all the time. We should be praying. If the Lord does preserve the freedoms that we have, not just so we can have a good time, but this has been the land that God has used in a special way to, to propagate the gospel. You know, the United States has given more to the furtherance of the gospel throughout the world than any nation in the history of mankind, from what they cal calculate. And has sent out more missionaries to proclaim the gospel than any other land. And, uh, and those are the type of things with the freedom within our land as well, together like we do. Even during times of restraint like we have now, sometimes maybe we feel like we've uh, lost our freedoms a little bit, but we still have great freedom. And uh, it's all relative, believe me. There's places in the world right now where there's true persecution going on, where they are in, they are in true fear every day. Even to, to think about meeting in such a way like this would be very hazardous, and they have to hide in order to do it. And clandestine, underground as it's called, persecution of a true nature and physical nature. And so we are greatly blessed, but we are concerned as well uh, for our nation. 
And some things that we see maybe uh, happening and some things that we see, uh, some, some, some voices that maybe we haven't heard clamoring to this uh, degree before and some actions along with it. And we're like, oh, okay, you know. But, you know, it's symptomatic, really. It's, it's just showing. It's, it's showing the heart of some things in America. I mean, these, these things didn't happen overnight, you know. It's not like all of a sudden, uh, um, you know, people got angry and started destroying things and, and maybe uh, promoting a, a message that goes against, uh, you know, our Constitution and the way our nation was built and so on. I mean, these things are, you know, out of the abundance of the heart, that's where the words come from. And that's where the actions come from, right? Uh, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and so, you know, just be encouraged that God sees these things. His ultimate plan for the ages is going to go forth with or without anybody. And uh, I, I, I want to stay on board with it, right? Because that's the enduring thing there. But, uh, you know, uh, God is not surprised by any. He's not shocked by any of it. And uh, really, it's better that the symptoms are seen to a matter so that a cure can be administered, right? If, 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 if there's no symptoms perceived, if there's, if, if, if there's something wrong on the inside but it's not being manifest, then how can, how can help be brought to it? So it's actually better in a way, even though it is concerning, it's alarming, it is better that things come to the surface. And we can see, okay, you know, what is really needed here? Uh, what is the, the solution to this? And we know that ultimately, ultimately, Godward orientation, his plan, uh, through the gospel, uh, a relationship with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, the enduring truth of all is what everybody needs. And that's what brings reconciliation. That's what brings healing. And uh, what we're going to talk about this morning, because we are concerned citizens of the land here, we're also concerned Christ uh, Christians, we're going to combine the two. And we're going to talk about something that, because let me ask this question, a third question. How many of you, if there was something that you could personally do, because sometimes you look at the grand scope of things and you say, I, you know, I don't even know where to start. I don't feel like I can do anything here. You know, I feel like my, my sphere of influence is so small that what difference is going to make? But if there was something that you could do, if there was something that you could do that you knew would make a difference for good in our land, how many of you would be willing to do it? How many would be willing to do it? Okay, and it looks like just about everybody. Just about everybody. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. There is something there is something that you can be doing, and I want to give a heartfelt charge. If I, if I raise my voice uh, this, this morning, it's not because I'm angry, okay? Uh, it's because I'm passionate about this, and, and because I see that this is, this is the, not only is it the greatest need, but it's something that all of us can be involved in, and I know God will use it, and he has used it before, and he'll do it again. And so this is going to be a little bit of a charge. It's going to be a little bit of a, of a, of a, motiv a scriptural motivation. Um, and I think, uh, I think it will help all of us, and I hope that all of us do take it uh, to heart. 2 Chronicles 7.14. 2 Chronicles 7.14. It is a, uh, a somewhat, um, I guess, popular verse to be used in, in times of adversity in our nation. But I want to look at one aspect of it here, just to get us thinking along the lines. And, you know, this is talking especially to Israel, but there's, there's principles here. Uh, there's things that God says, the, the, I respond to this. God says this is crucial, this is instrumental. If we're going to see uh, something happen that brings healing, something happen that truly brings uh, that which is necessary to, 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 the, uh, uh, to, to progress in the land, this, th these things are instrumental, these are key. And so it says in 2 Chronicles 7.14, it says, If my people... And so here today, in this age, uh, um, we know it's not in the same sense that Israel is. By the way, we need to stick by Israel. There's a blessing for sticking by Israel. We're going to talk more about that uh, uh, soon, here probably in a morning service. But we are His people in the sense that we, 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 we want to serve the Lord. 
We honor his word. We're gathered in his name here today. It says, if my people who are called by na my name, then it says this, and I think the two things go together. I really think it's one. Shall humble themselves and pray. Shall humble themselves and what? And pray. Because, you know, unless we're humble to say that we are in true need of help, we're not going to cry out for that help. As long as we're still thinking that the answer is for us to get on our, our favorite social media program and advance our cause enough, as long as we think that's the solution ultimately, then we're failing to see what we really need. As long as we think that we can argue the most people into our point of view that that's the solution, then we're failing to see what is really needed. As long as we still think if I can just get my person into office, that's what's truly needed, then we're failing, we're failing to see what the true solution is. Because there's a lot of good things that we could be involved in. There's a lot of necessary things that we could be involved in. There's a lot of important things that we can be involved in. But if we're failing to grasp the best tool, the most effective tool, the greatest tool of all that we have, and we cast that to the side, then maybe we've never come to that point of true humility to say, I need you, Lord. We need you. We need you in this situation. There is something about this here that is beyond us, and God, we cry out to you. We cry out to you in this time of need. And so it says, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. And I think it's still a continuation of the same thought. And seek my face. Oh Lord, there's a lot of faces in front of me. There's a lot of people talking. There's a lot of messages. There's a lot of information. There's a lot of philosophies. There's a lot of different ways of thinking, Lord, but I want to seek your face. I want to look into your face. I want to look in, uh, into your eyes. And I want to see the truth. And I want to see what you have to I want to cry out to you. It says, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. And sometimes maybe we're not going to see the face of God the way we should when we're still involved in our wicked ways. And so there are aspects of sometimes you have to turn from something in order to focus on something else. And God will deal with you with those things. He'll show you what those things are. Then when I, the promise here is, then will I hear from heaven. That's a remarkable thing there. Because we know that there's a realm that's greater than just this, this uh, little ball of mud that we live on here. And obviously all the things that are happening right here on earth are so vivid to us. And we think, man, you know, this is, uh, this is all there is here and it consumes us. But there is a superintending going on from heaven itself, the creator of the universe. The catalyst for it all. The one who could snap his fingers and it would all be over. He says, I will hear you from heaven. Now you think about that. Who are you trying to get to hear you today? Who are you looking to for help? Would you be interested if it was true that the Almighty would perhaps hear what you had to say? What you're crying out for? Would you be interested and seeking him in his intervention. It says, I will forgive their sin. And then it says this, I will heal their land. And we hear a lot about that today, that our land needs healing. And some even say that there has to be a certain level of destruction before we can bring about healing again. But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says if you're really interested in healing, you look to the one who brings healing in his wings. <laughs> 
You look to the one who made it all because he understands what true healing really is. So my, my mind you know, goes to things that we see, different causes that are being promoted today. And I can ask this question. How much prayer is going into the movements that we see today? How much prayer is going into those things? And if you see maybe some movements that you say, well, those are probably, you know, those things are probably the furthest thing from being prayerful. Those are just humanistic things. Those are of, uh, of, of human device. And they're pretty overwhelming just by sheer mass, uh, the mass and voice of it. Well, I'll tell you what. If you don't think those things are founded upon prayer, do you know, right off, right off, you have a huge advantage if you're standing for, for something that's true. Because when you're standing for something that's true, you can appeal to the way, the truth, and the life. You can go to the God of truth. You can go to him in prayer. And he's with you in that. He will stand with you in that. We have, we have the recourse of prayer. And I wonder how much we're using it. I wonder how much we're thinking about it. I wonder how much we're focused on that. I wonder how much we're wringing our hands and worrying and fretting and trying to do stuff without taking the, the, the biggest advantage that we have and the greatest tool that we have. And that is prayer. That's the challenge this morning. Let's pray right now. Lord, I pray that you'd help us as we just look at a, a few truths related to this issue. Lord, I pray that you'd move in our hearts as only you can. Make us warriors of prayer. Seeing even through faith the unseen realm in which the true battle lies. And Lord, in which you have chosen to work through prayer. Through the prayers of your people. Help us with these truths now, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer not only gives God a vehicle by which he can respond and answer, but prayer also changes those who pray. Think about it. If you are a person of prayer, it changes your perspective. If you start your day out with prayer, your approach to that day is different. If you're a person of prayer throughout the day, your perspective is different. Your confidence is different. Your boldness is different. Your actions are different. Your responses are different. And so prayer is vital. George Washington first president explained why he called the nation's first federal day of prayer. According to President Washington, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and His favor. And that's why he called for a nationwide day of prayer. There have been many times throughout our history which through the prayers of God's people, God intervened on behalf of our nation. There's actually been books that have been written about it. I'll give you the title of one in just a moment here. But I think of a time that we spoke of recently when the Constitutional Convention was, was languishing in, a, in an apparent stalemate and getting nowhere. And finally some truth got through to one of the leaders there, Benjamin Franklin, and you know a bit about him. And Benjamin Franklin said, you know, gentlemen, what is missing here is prayer. And we need to get back to a daily time of prayer. And when they did that, shortly after came the writings, which have served us well from that point on to this day. God worked through that, through prayer. There's an excellent book uh, that records many moments of, of answered prayer in the history of our country. 
It's written by a senator named Barry Loudermilk, and it's called, And Then They Prayed, Moments in American History Impacted by Prayer. I'll take a little excerpt from that book. It says, From the very foundations of our nation, many of our national heroes have placed their faith in Almighty God. And through the power of prayer, they have implored his intervention on our behalf. For example, in 1746, a massive armada of French warships was bearing down on the shores of New England. Their mission? Burn Boston and other towns along the American coast. Just as they're about to launch their deadly attacks, a mysterious storm destroys the fleet. World War II, the German army, led by uh, columns of panzer tanks, breaks through American lines, annihilating everything in its path, with American aircraft grounded by a massive winter storm. Defeat seemed inevitable. Nothing could stop the German Nazi advance. Unexpectedly, the weather clears, and American aircraft quickly fill the skies, changing the outcome of the battle. Kind of find out there was much prayer that went into that occasion. There was much prayer. The back against the wall. <laughs> it looks like defeat was imminent. It almost seemed futile to try anymore. But prayer changed everything. Prayer. Our history is wrought with challenges that have threatened the future of our nation just as we face today. But just when all seems lost, our national heroes call upon a powerful weapon that changes the course of events. It is a powerful force that alters weather, gives men incredible courage, stops bullets in their paths, and changes the hearts and minds of both allies and enemies. It is the power of prayer. And uh, you can find information about that if you research it. And this is one book that could, that could help you see that. From the forests of Valley Forge to the deadly vacuum of space, men have turned to God and witnessed his mighty hand of providence upon, upon our nation. And really, much of the blessing in our land has been because we've acknowledged God. Now, here's the thing. We're in peril of losing that blessing. We are in peril of losing that blessing. It's like a big old ship that's turning little by little. You say, what's going to turn that big old ship back? Prayer is going to do that. Prayer. I can tell you, there's only so much you can do as an individual, and you need to do that. But the greatest thing you can do is pray, Christian. Pray. Pray. Abraham Lincoln said, we have forgotten God. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us. We have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. And so today, many years later, there's still those that feel like through superior wisdom and virtue of our own, we can create something apart from God. And that's just not the way it works. Nothing enduring ever comes apart from the life giver himself. What happens to a country that drifts from, from God? Well, the, the Bible tells us what happens. When a country drifts away from God, God drifts away from that country. When God drifts away from the country, his blessings also leave. 
founding father Samuel Adams, the father of the American Revolution, as he's called many times, fully understood, understood this and reminded the citizens uh, way back in those days. He said this, May every citizen in the army and in the country have a proper sense of God upon his mind and an impression of that declaration recorded in the Bible. In the Bible it says this, him that honoreth me, I will honor, but he that despiseth me shall be lightly esteemed by that very God. Numerous other founding fathers understood this truth and clearly expressed it. Abraham Lincoln reminded the nation in the midst of the Civil War. He said this, It is the duty of nations as well to recognize the sublime truth announced of the Holy Scriptures and proven by all history that those nations only are blessed whose God is the Lord. Psalm 33, verse 12. Let me ask you a question this morning. If you could lead an entire country in prayer, what would you pray for? If you could be seen by all this morning leading the country in prayer, simulcasted throughout the land, you were the one that was going to get up and lead them in prayer. What would you pray for? What would you pray for? What should be our collective prayer for our country this morning? Founding Father Samuel Adams reminds us that while the people are virtuous, they cannot be subdued. But once they lose their virtue, they will be ready to surrender their liberties to the first external or internal invader. It's a pretty powerful truth right there. Benjamin Franklin agreed, declaring only a virtuous people are capable of freedom as nations become corrupt and stray for God and inevitably lose their freedom. I think one of the things that we need to be praying for in America is for people to gain a biblical worldview. Gain a biblical worldview. Now you say, well, you know, isn't the Bible just kind of old-fashioned and antiquated and out of date and not relevant to today? If you say that, you know nothing about the Bible. The Bible is the bestseller of all time for good reason. And the Bible, the thing that makes the Bible the bestseller even today is because it never goes out. It's always relevant. It's truthful and enduring. They are for all people of all cultures, of all generations. And what the Bible said 200 years ago, when these men were speaking or more, is still true today, 100%. George Barna, the famous uh, surveyor on Christianity, did a survey on Christians who hold a biblical worldview. For the purposes of the survey, a biblical worldview was defined as believing these fundamental truths. These absolute truths. First of all, that, number one, absolute moral truth exists. So the question is proposed, do you believe absolute moral truth exists or is it just all relative? Number two, do you believe the Bible is totally accurate in all the principles it teaches? Number three, do you believe that Satan is considered to be a real being or force, not merely symbolic? Number four, do you believe that a person cannot earn their way into heaven by trying to be good or do good works? Number five, do you believe that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life on earth? Number six, do you believe that God is all-knowing, all-powerful, the creator of the world who rules the universe today? Now in the research, this is, this is of Christians, 
I'm not trying to discourage you this morning. This is what this, this, this study came out with. And it may be a little discouraging, but it can be motivating as well. Out of Christians, just those six basic truths that we look to and we know are true from the Bible. They're clear from the Bible. If someone is studying the Bible, those are the conclusions you can't get, cannot get around that I just read right there. Out of professing Christians in our land, having a biblical worldview founded upon these truths, 19%. 19%. (laughs) That's pretty scary on the one hand. Well, on the other hand, I look at it this way. Bible-believing Christians, you have job security today. Because there's a lot of work to be done in your field. Alright? So you, you are needed. Okay? You are essential. Your job is essential. Alright? I'm telling you that from the Bible right now. And from God himself. So, let's go to Philippians 4, uh, verses 6 through 8. And we're talking about prayer primarily this morning. And we're talking about prayer that God would move in our land. That God would bring about a biblical perspective. Look, if somebody has a wrong worldview, it's going to learn to wrong beliefs. It's going to lead, it's going to, lead to wrong conclusions. And it's going to lead to wrong actions. And don't get angry at the people who have a, a, world wrong, a, a, a wrong worldview. Instead, stand clearly for the right worldview. People need to hear. Faith cometh by hearing. hearing and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. God gets to define truth. Now look, we're concerned today. And, and concern, if we're not careful, can turn into fear and worry. And here's a word that's a combination of fear and worry. It says here, Philippians 4, verse 6 says, be careful for nothing. That doesn't mean don't don't be careful about anything, but it means don't be full of care. Don't be full of worry and fear. That's what that's saying there. Don't be full of worry and fear in regards to any matter. But then it says this, but in what? Everything. In every situation. In every situation, you look at a situation, this is too much, this is too big, this is beyond me, this cannot be fixed. This is the time for this truth then. In everything, by what? Prayer. Don't be full of fear and worrying in any situation, but in every situation, what? By prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then it says, in the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and mind through Jesus Christ. And so it talks about prayer there. Look, you want to make a difference today? You really want to make a difference today? You need to pray, Christian. You need to pray. I'm not going to ask this more by show of hands, but I'll ask you to raise your hand in your heart. How many of you are dwelling in a worrisome fashion? How many of you are worrying today? How many of you are living in fear today? The Bible says don't do that, Christian. Pray, it says. And prayer is the expression of general need. It's it's humility. It's saying, I cannot, God, I turn to you because you can. And then it says supplication. And supplication is the expression of specific needs. Prayer is the expression of general needs. Supplication is the expression of specific needs. Cry out to God with specifics. Cast your cares upon him. For he cares for you. Be specific in your prayer. What is it that concerns you? What is it that you would love to see the Lord intervene on? You have not because you 
Ask not. And so we say, I'd love for this to happen. I'd love to see this. I'd love to have this. You have not because you ask not, the Bible says. And don't complain because something doesn't happen if you haven't cried out to the Almighty on, the, on, on behalf of that thing. And so supplication is the expression of specific needs. Humility. Priority. What are the priorities of Scripture? What should we be crying Him out to? Just so that everything would go great for us now in America? We just want to be happy all the time here and be at peace all the time and, and everybody just get along forever. Well, that's nice. But shouldn't we say, God, we want you to be glorified? <laughs> God, we want people to come to truth. God, we want truth even more than we want peace. Prayer and supplication. And what's the third thing there? What's it say? Thanksgiving. Now I tell you what. There's a lot of ungratefulness going on in our land right now. There's a lot of ungratefulness. Okay? You know who tends to be ungrateful? Spoiled brats tend to be ungrateful. Alright? Because all they can see is getting their own way all the time. And getting what they want when they want it. And somebody comes along and says, you know, if you vote for me, I'll give you what you want all the time right now. And then that person who's willing to just give them whatever they want all the time right now without even having to work for it, doesn't get in. What you, do, what you have is a bunch, of, a bunch of adult meltdowns. A bunch of temper tantrums. A bunch of people saying, I deserve to have this right now, and I want this, and I want this to be like this in my country right now. And what you have is ingratitude. Because I'll tell you what a lot of people aren't realizing today. The United States of America is a land of privilege and opportunity. It is a land that has been blessed like few other places have. And it is a land of prosperity beyond what a lot of people who live here imagine. And the very people that feel entitled to more and to handouts and so on and so forth are failing to see the big picture of the goodness of what they really have. And what they probably need to do is they need to go with me down to Monterey, Mexico from the nicer neighborhood which would be more poor than anything that we have in, the, in, in our community here, and cross over this, 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 this big drainage area over into the shanty town, where the people there, day by day, just try to exist by getting the next morsel of food that they can find. And all their houses, the material from their houses came from when the rains came and, and all the stuff that people had thrown away had come down through that aqueduct there and happened to come the way that they could salvage and to try to, to makeshift some sort of a house to exist in. And then when there's people that die there every day of diseases, they're never even diagnosed. They don't even know what they are. It's just a way of life. Just people die in here because there's no attention given to anything. Because it can't be found. And the only attention that there is is just a loving family member. Hopefully they can, they can help see them to, to a, a relatively peaceful death. 
And so we run around and we tear our country apart and we loot in an angry fashion over something that we feel could be bigger and better in America. We fail to see that we are an ungrateful people. We are ungrateful. And when our kids grow up in privileged homes where they have three meals a day and they have the best clothing and all the name brands and everything else and they still whine and complain, they are failing to see that they are an ungrateful little person. And ungrateful little people grow into ungrateful big people. And that's what we're reaping the consequences of today. And so the Bible says, look, when you pray, you pray. And you turn to God for your supplication, but you do it with a grateful heart. You don't just ask for what you want out of selfishness. You go to God with a grateful heart. And this know also, 2 Timothy chapter 3, that the last days perilous times will come. Times of difficulty, times of stress, danger and treachery shall come. For all men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedience to parents, and unthankful. Unthankful, the Bible says. It goes on to say they will, they will be fierce, despisers of those that are good. And then it goes on to say they are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And then it says this. Actually, I'd like to return there and see that this, this passage because it's very interesting. We'll, we'll end with this. 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. Let's look at it in verse 7. 2 Timothy 3 verse 7. It's talking about these perilous times, these treacherous times, these, these dangerous times, these stressful times. Where people, it says... 2 Timothy 3, verse 7, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. In other words, they go and get more information, but they don't seem to ever be getting anywhere prosperous with it. It's really going to help. Then it says this, now is Janus and Jambres withstood Moses. Now, how many of you have done an in-depth study on Janus and Jambres? Okay. Well, some, some of you have. And I think I'm on, I'm on, I'm, I think I'm on the right track here. These were Egyptian magicians working through the powers of darkness. They were frauds, really. They were frauds who were trying to, to, uh, to stand in the face of Moses, who had God's power. They were frauds. And so they deceived through sleight of hand or through the powers of darkness. They deceived many people into thinking that they, they were the ones that should be looked at. But it says this, Now as Janus and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, reprobates, that's not, not, they don't stand the test of time concerning the faith. Now look at what it says here. But they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. And so ultimately, those Egyptian magicians who stood in the face of God were, were exposed as being frauds. And the truth prevailed. And the truth prevailed. So what does the Bible teach us? The Bible teaches us when we have grateful hearts, when we turn to God in prayer, when we, when we get right with God, when we pray, Christian, we pray, and we stick with that which is enduring. You stick with that which is enduring, and you will not regret it. You will not regret it. You know, that which is of true substance, it endures. It's not a flash in the pan. It's not a momentary movement. It is that which is worth standing on. And that which is truly worth standing on is the rock, the bedrock of the truth of God's word. Let's pray.
Lord.